Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back to Roller Roast. Ben Welch, how you doing, mate? I feel sick. Is that because you've woken up and realised you're an horrible, stinking cooner? Partly, but the main reason is I can't face Sunday. I've, it is... It has become the fixture that I least look forward to. When I back when we were dominant, it was the fixture that I couldn't wait for. Now it's the one that I just I can't bear to watch. I just I just I don't I never get this right. Most most Arsenal fans I know and see they are all Tottenham are a shit little club. We're gonna put you back where you belong and always. And you were always you were always playing that cautious card. Always like you've seen your lot go a season invincible. You've seen your team win the double. I've seen my team win two league cups in my <laughs> lifetime, and, yeah, but, and and have a good run in the Champions League. And that's it. You th- know? Th- this is true, but um, right at Heart Lane, North London derby. As much as it pains me to say, absolutely, it is rocking. And I always feel like if Spurs are going through a bit of a different period, this is they often see this game as the sort of the, the ter- this this can turn our season. This can this can be the launch pad. This can turn things around, and it gets the it gets the fans back on side. All the Spurs players are like massively up for it. Kane's always bang up for it because it's like proving a point after. Well, he Arsenal can he can break him. Jimmy Greaves's record as well. <laughs> exactly. So, oh god, I now oh fuck, I really that's definitely going to happen. I definitely this that just makes w- it even one worse. goal to match it, two goals to break it. Obviously, yeah. you know, I mean, sim- it, simple maths that, but you know, if it I. I mean, the most sure bet possible on for the weekend is that Harry Kane will score a penalty. That some fucking stupid like challenge we're doing in the box. Like the worst thing is, like, I always think, get through the first twenty minutes, and we might be all right, and just survive the last five minutes of the first half. So that if like we're level, I want to go in at half time level, and I, but I don't want the game to be out of sight or like that we're completely on the back foot and and totally rattled in the first 20 minutes which can be the case and I always think um, a lot of those games and I, and I like I say I think while well, line will be rocking but it really that really sets the tempo like if, if Spurs come out and like put in a few tackles or like have some or, or have a few chances that gets the crowd up and then that really kind of is what is fueling the momentum um, if I sometimes think if the first five ten minutes are a bit sedate and nothing really happens in the game, that's always really good for us when we're at Wild Lane because that's without the crowd pushing the team forward. I always kind of fancy Arsenal to to control the game. Um, so yeah, that is. I just want to get through that first half sort of relatively unscathed. Do you, Do you feel at all? Do you see any of the parallels? It's funny because to me, the whole like dynamic has shift shifted just in the respect that now we're kind of like, you know, it was only a few years ago, right, that we were Pochettino's young upstarts and you had that sort of like the tail end of the Wenger era when you still had players like Giroud in there. And in many sort of metrics, like to look at everything like that, we were more exciting. We had these like young, promising players and, you know, we we were generally doing better than you in the league. But still, when we'd come up against you, especially at the Emirates, you'd still just have that kind of that experience and that, I don't know, hardened edge to a to a derby where you generally tend to get the result or even get a draw at White Hart Lane as well. And I just wonder if right now, because I do think you're, I hate saying it, and I'm getting all sorts of pelters from other Spurs fans for saying it all the time. I think you lot are brilliant. I really do think you're really good and I hate it. I hate how good you are. <laughs> and... I, I, my sort of my only hope for this game really is yeah okay the crowd is going to play a massive part, but also just the fact that I just I, I just wonder if we might have that little bit more experience like in some of those key players that might be able to just sort of still rattle your lads a bit. Do you know what I mean? 
Absolutely. Kane is super shrewd. Like he just knows how to the way he kind of uses his body to protect the ball, wins free kicks, um, the way he drops into space. I'd kind of be interested to see how Arsenal deal with that. How do you pass him on? How will they deal with his movement? Perisic is obviously a smart um, veteran. He'll he'll be shrewd. He knows how to he knows how to handle those games, handle that pressure. I think like Spurs are there to be got at. Like obviously, I don't defensively. I don't rate Spurs. Um, <laughs> no one man. does. <laughs> don't even think Eric Dyer rates himself, mate. But, yeah, I think I think they're to be they're, Spurs are there to be got at. But I really, I think all these a lot of these games. Um, look, without question, I think Arsenal, man for man, I think Arsenal are a better team, but. I think that in these games, they're often decided by who controls their emotions the best. And, you know, it's not like I'm <clears throat> saying anything, you know, uh, that anyone hasn't thought before, but it's about controlling your emotions, about managing the game. And I think Spurs do have a few players that, that are capable of that, that can get at people, that can wind people up, but also manage the pressure. And I think that if if Spurs manage that first half well, then that would or they they make the most of the crowd being up for it in the first half then I think that gives Spurs the opportunity to win but again like what Arsenal have done really well this season but I haven't Spurs is a different game but what Arsenal have done really well in the games that I've watched so far this season is start fast and be like really at it aggressive um pressing the ball winning the ball back getting into tackles not letting the opposition breathe um, and being and being ruthless, the, the Newcastle game was one of the few games this season where we were not ruthless in that first fifteen minutes. <clears throat> we didn't take the lead, and I think that again, and also actually, I think the, the managers play an interesting role in this, and not, and I don't mean just tactically. I'll be, I, I mean about their managing of their emotions. Both of them, absolute like head loss merchants. Um, and I think their ability, like, I actually felt in the Newcastle game, although I love Arteta's passion and that he cares and everything, I think he, his anxiety and frustration on the sidelines filtered through onto the pitch. And I think that he's he was being too frenetic. And I, and I kind of felt like, like I might be wrong, but I just felt like that passed on to the players. I wouldn't want him to do that at White Hart Lane. There's, there's caring, but there's also, like, showing the team that, listen, we're in control here, just stay calm. But both Conte and Arteta are absolute maniacs. So how they respond to what's happening on the pitch, I think, could also be a factor. Here's one then for you, mate, on Arteta. Be honest, did you always have faith in him? Did you did you think it would get to this point? Or, you know, when you went on that run of what, I think you went about, what, six or seven games losses in a row, was it, last season? Or season yeah. before? I think it was season before, wasn't it? Uh, there was all what I, I can't exactly remember. I think it, yes, yes, yeah, that's correct. It was a season, not the last season, the season before. Yeah, at that point, were you not thinking, nah, he's he's in over his head here? I think I can back myself and say, and I think I, when I've been on this podcast before, that I was saying I back Arteta. Um, actually, I can't now. I'm worried that I'm going to become some sort of meme. Mate, no where... one's gonna, no one's gonna listen back. <laughs> It's only, it's only my mum that listens to this, you know. <laughs> so I think I think I think I've been pretty consistent in my support of him. But during that period, the one thing that worried me about him, and I think I can't remember specifically like whether I was like he needs to go or not amongst my other Arsenal mates, but I felt like his man management might have been an issue. Um, but actually, really, it was man management of people that weren't the right characters. So he was pissing people off and people weren't playing for him, but they weren't the right people to be at the club. So Aubameyang, when, a big one, I guess. Exactly. And when you when you when you look in the short term, you're like, he's not getting the best out of the team that we've got. And um and and as fans you can always you know, you're you're guilty of that. You want results now and you almost don't want to experience the pain of kind of a complete rebuild. But I think that his management of those characters is, is what has put us where we are today. But at the time, I remember thinking he just needs to get the best out of him, and he wasn't. But you know, they were they were they were creating an, 
a toxic environment in the dressing room and he's and he's got rid of them and rightly so i mean because it's it's been some faith from from the board to be fair to like to back him in the way that they have he's obviously he's got that pedigree of having worked with pep guardiola he is an arsenal man he played for the club and everything like that but he was still really relatively speaking i mean no by any metric he was an inexperienced manager and he was coming to loath as I am to say, one of the biggest clubs in the world, in Arsenal, in a job that is pretty high pressured, right? You know, after the sort of success you'd had with Wenger and the fallout of that, how toxic everything got, Emery being a bit of a false prophet, you sort of slipping further from relevance. It was I guess it was it was an ideal opportunity to take a punt on a young project manager, but equally Still, you don't get a lot of time at that kind of level of football. Arsenal's a club that demands to be at least in the Champions League, right? I'm pretty sure you've got stakeholders that will attest to that. Yeah, I think that the reason they stuck with him is, and again, I'm just speculating here, but I think people like Edu would have been quite important in that because of their understanding of the the actual the, the squad. And I think maybe it was... And I don't know how this was sort of articulated and how they went about this plan, but it really, in my mind, it didn't matter who was in there, that team would have, it wasn't right. And um, if they committed and believed in Arteta, which they must have done, and Edu communicating that to the relevant people um, on the board, that it doesn't, like, we need to give him time. We can change the manager. We can bring someone in on a huge contract. We can bring a big name in, but ultimately we need to rebuild. And I think Arteta's, you know, everyone talks about non-negotiables and um, it got really slack within the club and people, the big players on big money weren't respecting um, <clears throat> what was demanded of the club. They just kind of did as they pleased and that was a hangover a little bit of the Wenger period. The, the the tail end of the Wenger era and I think that Edu must have done a good job of communicating that um, to the higher ups and sort of explaining that we need this amount of time to rebuild the squad what I think Arteta has done brilliantly and what the, actually the club has done brilliantly is for once Arsenal have not done panic buys they haven't bought a player with a broken back in January and they haven't um, they haven't just spent in panic, they've had their targets if they don't get the targets. And I think you can look at January last year when we needed a striker um, and we didn't get one and we missed out. Ultimately, that was one of the main reasons we missed out on the Champions League. But it's because he couldn't get the player that he wanted. And we ended up getting Jesus and, and look where we are now. And I think that's what they've done brilliantly. Is And I've sort of waffled on a bit here, but ultimately what I'm trying to say is the project must have been really well communicated to the owners They've stuck with them. They understood that it didn't matter who was in charge. This squad needed a complete rebuild and they must have believed in his vision for what that rebuild looked like. And it was about effectively blowing up what we had, starting again, getting rid of um, mainly kind of, I want to say experience, but sort of aging players on big on big transfers that are big um, contracts, sorry, that had done it previously, but they'd come, come to Arsenal and, um, you know, they were just like early retirement, picking up their picking up their money and they'd kind of their best days were behind them and now it's about young, hungry players, much like, as you were saying, when Pochettino came in at Spurs, it's the parallels really are there. And um you can see that it's having faith in their projects. And I think the mistake that Spurs have made since Pochettino is the is what Arsenal haven't made, which is like, let's just go after a big name, pay them loads of money and, you know, see what happens. And I I don't know if well, as you can see at Spurs, it's, it, I don't know. It, Spurs are so inconsistent. They just like one week you're like, Conor has lost the dressing room. All the you know he's a, he, he can't do anything with these players. In these are the wrong players for him. He's angry. Wants the club to spend etc cetera, etc. Cetera. And then the next week, like against Palace, they're just going batter and four nil. And Palace is a hard place. Hard place to go. So I've never, I, I can't get a read on Spurs really. Well, it felt like, to be honest, <clears throat> I don't really want to sort of diminish our achievement, but I'm going to do exactly that. The Palace game just felt a bit more like they were just 4 0 more crap than us and we were 4 0 better than them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, we were awful in that first half. And it's true what you say, you know, we are massively inconsistent. I think the, 
the thing I, I kind of look over to Graham Potter struggling at Chelsea right now, and I sort of think like I just feel like everyone, everyone in this equation would be happier if Conte was at Chelsea again, back again there now, and Potter was at Tottenham because it just feels like that's a more natural fit. I don't, I don't have any doubt at all that Conte walks into PSG, Real Madrid, somebody like that, and does a brilliant job with them. And he's done an all right job to a degree with, you know, people, you know, people talking about last year saying got us into Champions League and it was a miracle. I think those are his own words. And in my perspective, I'm like, yeah, okay, right. The team's not great, but at the same time, he's got like Harry Kane, like one of the best strikers ever. He's got Hummin Son, who last year at least was one of the best players in the world. Like, you know, he won the fucking golden boot in the Premier League. He's got a decent team. He's got some decent players there. So I don't really buy this whole kind of the excuses they make for him that it's a miracle, that, you know, that he's got no agency in this situation at all, that the only the only people culpable for this are the board because they won't... You know, there's this whole sort of rhetoric of just back him, just give him whatever he wants. And it's like, but Chelsea did that. And yeah, okay, he won the league the first year with them, but then he did fuck all with them after that and they ended up sacking him. <clears throat> Because he got in a mood, so I don't know. It, I mean, the jury's out on that one. I'm always going to sort of favour, especially for Tottenham, having that that journey. That's something to believe in. And I think the problem is because we came so close and yet so far across the board in most competitions with Pochettino. I just think there's that hunger now. There's that real need to win something here, um, and that's why we keep kind of punting for these managers the Mourinho Conte because I just don't think people anybody's prepared Harry Kane's a big part in this right people are terrified of him going of him leaving and thinking you know he's not going to give us another five six years you know all right okay we can bring in let's say say we brought in Graham Potter last year and he's saying to us look it's going to be four three four years at least until we're in back in back in business again and I just, I just wonder if that appetite there. I know a lot of the fans don't feel that way, and this is, this is one of those real sort of big divides at the moment. Is melts like me that are all like, I don't really like Conte, and people are just like, you're the reason we never win anything. You fucking dry lunch. That's your, Listen, your expression. I'm sure you've, yeah. you've been, you've, you've been riding Conte's dick at some time. I, I swear, I, you there, there have been times where you've liked Conte. I'm not having that. You've completely written him off. I, I've never really loved him, mate. Honestly, like, I think I quite enjoyed the, uh, the theatre of basically beating you last year toward the end of the season and getting into the Champions League. But, I think I think I was excited when we first signed him because it was after Nuno Espirito Santo. You know, we had that weird period. What is it? But a month and a half, two months of like this geezer who just clearly wasn't. You know, I talk about like the worry about hiring Arteta for Arsenal. Like hiring Nuno Espirito Santo, it was just it seems so weird. And I mean, some of the managers we're looking at Gattuso and stuff like that before him, and I think everyone was thinking like, what the fuck is going on here? Like we had, we just sat Pochettino, and all right, a lot of people didn't like him, but at least you know we had Jose Mourinho after that, and then we're now getting linked with Daniel Fonseca and fucking Gennaro Gattuso and things like that. Like, come on, man! Um, so I think when Conte finally came along after all that, I was I was pretty pumped about it, but it just felt from the off that it's a bit of a it's a bit of a bad fit, but. So I'm not just like ragging on my own team ahead of a North London derby. The one thing I will give him, and I think the one thing he does do very well for us, I think in games like this, as we've seen last year, he's he he knows how to win these games, you know. And I think that's again that's something he does have going for him. I, I won't ever deny he's a great manager. He's clearly like good at what he does. My thing has always been about the fit. If it's the right fit for Tottenham. Um, if we're talking about a fit, if we're going to go back to Arteta, like what what do you think really? Like if you had to narrow it down to like a key point or you know a few key points, what's the sort of the main thing he's gotten right? Do you think? Because it's funny, it's just like because you were like last year, you were on the cusp, and I remember saying to you like, I think you're good, but there's still there's still a bit of a like I still think there's a bit of a soft underbelly to Arsenal. I still think like you can be got at. 
And I don't feel that as much. I hate it. I, I just, I don't feel that as much anymore. I feel like when I look at you from the outside, all of them are 100% bought into what he's doing. Someone, I look at someone like Xhaka, right? I look at Xhaka who, for the majority of his career, I've looked at, uh, Arsenal career at least, has been just some donkey, some like reckless, headstrong, just idiot that just cannot like keep his emotions in check and that just completely kind of overtakes him. He's obviously a talented footballer, but he just has never been... Yeah, he's just needed to grow up. And it just seems like this year now, he's suddenly he's just got his head switched on and he's just like one of your generals and he's completely bought into it. Like, what what do you... Because, I mean, we've all seen All or Nothing and that's entertainment as much as it is a documentary, right? I don't, you know, you can see the... And I've got to say, mate, he... <laughs> I'll test he, he is a he is a peculiar bloke, mate. You know he is a hey. peculiar. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Bloke. He is. Some of those team talks were absolutely... They were, they were straight red for me. That is a straight red. The light bulb thing, I'm not having that. I'm sorry, Mickey boy, but I'm not having you doing a light bulb. That is a straight red. I don't know how the players didn't laugh. I just can't get on board with that. But I think there's probably two things, the two or three things. I mean, first of all, and most imperatively, is I think um, he's just to have a clarity of project, like what he wants to do, how he wants the team to play, and the players that he needs to do it. And he's uncompromising. So that's not that he doesn't listen to other people's opinions. It's just that he has full confidence and conviction in what he wants to do. And I think that um, that clarity breeds confidence in the club as a whole. Um, I think Arsenal have been really, really clever in the same way that England uh, sort of repaired their relationship with the fans um, using like social media and um, those kind of mechanics. I think are, and the and the merch. Like I know everyone jokes about the merch. And it is funny, especially when we're crap. It's like, yeah, but at least we've got good merch. I do think that the a lot of the messaging and heritage stuff around that, around the kind of the endless kits and merch that we do bring out, I, we have brought out. I really do feel like that has helped bring the fans closer together to the team and quite. It, all these little things. So you're like, admitting that you are Club Shop FC, man? <laughs> I literally, I am. <laughs> I am 40 years old and I am genuinely, I've been more on that, like, I'm like, can I wear a full Arsenal tracksuit? Um, I actually was looking at this, I was looking at something the other day and I turned to my girlfriend, I was like, do you think it's weird that I, if I bought this? And she was like, um, I don't know, like, you are a middle-aged man. I was like, yes, maybe that is a bit pathetic. Are you like to have- turning around to your lads like, this, these are wavy gums, aren't they, lads? <laughs> No. I am like Dad, fully... what are you on about, mate? Like... I'm no longer like no longer am I raging at the fact that um, they just keep bringing out like a fucking Stella McCartney Lidl <laughs> mashup for the Johnson Payne Trophy. I'm like fucking where do I sign? Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I get that. I get that, and I will get Smith Rotel on the back, or just like um, Gunnosaurus Gunnosa- <laughs> One. Is that weird? Yes, you look like a massive pedo, but I don't care because we're playing well. Um, Doing all your work emails with the Odegaard, though. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> I am. I am like fully. I, I have been completely brainwashed. Um, but I do feel like all these little elements, and you can listen to Mikel Arteta, Mikel, Mikel Arteta's press conferences, and I think the the players as well were hundred percent briefed, a hundred percent briefed on like just keep mentioning the fans, their importance of it. Um, I know that there is definitely some fun to be had with the Ashburton army. Um, but that younger fan, I always said, I said for years, the reason it was so crap at the Emirates and the Highbury for so long was that the tickets were A, they, they, um, you know, they outpriced any young fans. Um, so everyone who, everyone who used to go Arsenal were either like people that have been going 30 years, the tickets been in their family forever. They're old. They don't want to sing. They're not enthusiastic about it. And actually yeah. what happened was during the pandemic, people took season ticket breaks or that they get because we were crap as well. Like people were giving up their season tickets. That was an opportunity for young people to get tickets. And they did that and they took it. And now we've got like a much younger fan base uh, like really up for it. Now, look, I absolutely love it. I'm not going to like sit on here and, and pretend that I don't like I've been over Arsenal the last two seasons quite a bit and I've never known the atmosphere to be like that and the crowd to be up for it and and I absolutely love it. I'm not too sure that you need to wear a mask across your face if you're singing like <laughs> if you're singing the William Saliba song. It's not like you're some hardcore firm that's about to have a right tear up. You're singing a, a tequila song about William Saliba. So I find like the whole kind of <laughs> wearing a mask and like we need we're a firm we've got to cover up a fact you're not going to get arrested you're not going to get arrested for singing this song um but other than that like i have absolutely no qualms with it i absolutely love it and i think all these things a lot of that's like young people getting excited though, and it's seen the ultras in europe and all that types yeah well because i see it with the ashburton army lot a lot of them they're all wearing like all black and all that type of thing do you know what i mean it's kind of yeah. it feels less hooligany and more just that kind of like ultras sort of movement in a way absolutely and, and i and i and i think they have been like so central to like the shift in the club so, and I, so what i'm saying is arteta's messaging the whole time and his clarity of what he wants to do what he wants to achieve it's always really consistent and i think that has filtered out to everyone obviously okay i say non-negotiables we can take the piss out what we want but actually being uncompromising about the standards that you ex expect everyone to meet has been has been really good and I think that his understanding of a player's strengths actually have been really really good our recruitment has been fantastic as well but when I say an understanding of a player's strengths it's like Ben White was signed as everyone thought he was signed as a, you know he was a centre-back he played the first season as centre-back now he's shifted over to right-back and it's been he's been an absolute revelation there like Tommy Asu was brilliant and to, to be keeping him out of the side is is quite surprising given how good he was in his first year. And I think he's he's done that with a few other players. I'm trying to... Oh, sorry, the best example being Xhaka. The whole time, the reason Xhaka hasn't been the player that we thought he could be is because playing him in the wrong position and asking him to do the wrong job, a job that he wasn't equipped for. Um, he is a better going forward. His distribution, his vision is his strength. Um, but we had him previously had as a defensive midfielder. He's immobile and he's got a... You know, in, in, in his rash. So playing in those defensive positions, he's not, I don't think he's an amazing athlete either. So like getting, he would just get turned over by midfields that would overrun him. And when he was trying to play on the turn, when we were trying to play out from the back, he needs space and time around him. Um, so I think it's Arteta's, those are the things that he's, he's done really well. But above everything, I reiterate, it's the clarity of what he wants to do. And I think that what you saw of Emery, whether it was like a, a language thing as well, like there just wasn't that clarity there. Um, I don't think the team understood what they were being asked to do. And also like from what I heard, like Emery loved give like overloading players with lots of information. Um, and I think the players that were there didn't like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased with where we're at, but and everyone is always, you included always like, oh, you're, you know, look how good you are. And, and everyone's always trying to bait me into committing to we're going to win this, that and the other uh, we are not halfway yet and um, the next few games huge how the players uh, handle those yeah. injuries tiredness yeah we'll see do you uh, do you think that we like 
provoked you a bit last season, like with the 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 kind of the the top four, the all of it. Do you know what I mean? The, the whole narrative that was built up leading up into that game. That yeah, it, it, it might it might have been a different story if we weren't playing Spurs. Like if we weren't if we weren't going head to head with Spurs for that. Um, for that full spot, it might have been different. But to, to be honest, like, the, do you know the game that like really pissed me off? Like, obviously, the Spurs game was bad. I remember punching the table and swearing, and my girlfriend was in the garden, like watering the plants with the kids, and I swore loudly. And she was like, "Oh, well done. That's good parenting." Um, <laughs> it's like, nice to rub that in at that point. <laughs> yeah. So my team's lost, and I'm a shit dad. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks, love. <laughs> um, I was, I was just, you know, it's just like, I don't know why he gets upset. And I was like, because it's Spurs, that's why. Um, but the game that really pissed me off was the Newcastle game. And I now have an irrational hatred for Callum Wilson, who turned into fucking Ronaldo. Oh, he, was, he, was, he was a titan <laughs> that night. I was there like, away the lads, like pumping my fists at the TV. Blood oh, money? Boy. Blood money? What blood money? Come on. I was like, why is I was like, why do you not care so much? Why are you right? You've got nothing to play for. And Callum Wilson literally turned into R9. He's smashing everyone about. I was like, why are you doing this? You've got nothing to play for. Now I hate him and I hate Newcastle. Like, I'm so, that, yeah, I was absolutely raging. That was more, far more annoying for me than the, the, the Spurs game, which was more of an emotional sort of burn. But the Newcastle one was just, that was a really annoying game for me. It's yeah, I, it does it does worry me though. There's just that bit of me. I'm like, did we, did we like win the battle? But are we about to lose the war? Is it like, did we just create this monster now that suddenly after all our smug Arsenal get battered everywhere they go, <laughs> finishing in the top four last year, that now we're looking down the fucking barrel of you winning the Premier League? And I'm just like, how's that fucking? How is that fair? How does that happen? Why, why can't it just? Why can't Chelsea just be good again for a bit? Like, why is it? We we're not even getting to enjoy Liverpool's fall off. Do you know what I mean? I like, I would normally be getting that in my veins, but I'm like, oh, who's replaced Liverpool? Fucking Arsenal! Like, no, the worst is Man United being good again. Like, ah, bollocks! Not, I don't trust them. I don't think I there's anything not. in them. No. I hope not. I really, I really, really hope not. I would be absolutely gutted if they started to hit their best form. But I think, like, like. Jokes aside, when I look at it, I almost feel like I look at Arsenal and obviously their, their, their achievements in the last few years are in no way can compare to Liverpool. But um, I kind of res- I see a resemblance in the way that like our sort of, you know, like Liverpool hit these incredible, incredible levels and just still, I mean, obviously they did win. They have won trophies, but ultimately in the Premier League, just like run out of steam in the way that Man City were just relentless and... I look at the way sort of the intensity of Liverpool's football, like when they're at their best, and I look at what Arsenal are doing, and I was like, that intensity is like what you'd is one of the strengths of our game. But in the same way that I kind of look at the way Liverpool running out of steam, I just that is my worry of Arsenal is that to just to to beat Man City, you can't, you have to be perfect almost every week. And I know that we're ahead of them, but a few a few bad results for us, and they're just so relentless, and it just turns like they. They don't have to be like they are just perfect. If you see what I mean, like and I know, like I know they've had a few bad results. I get that, but they're so relentless and so boring. That's why I hate them as well. And they've just got their squads just so ridiculous that they can afford to not. They're just going to see it through. Whereas Arsenal like have to be at their best every single week, and you've got to be relent like intense and relentless every single week. Because if you're not, they will they will capitalise on any mistake that you make. And, I mean, yeah. the mad thing is the Premier League's come to that bizarre point now where it's like, if you lose more than, let's say, three games, you're like, well, I'm probably not going to win the league this year. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, what, it's, that is, that it's is madness, it. you know? And that's it that's is. what City have done and that's what the kind of, the money's done and it's going to be Newcastle soon as well. Like, and I've, I've, I was talking to Hainsey about this before, like, got to drastically, drastically sort of tear up this Newcastle timeline because people were saying, yeah, it'll still take them 10, 15 years. It took, I don't think it will, man. I think they're going to be there sooner rather than later. Do you know what I mean? Like we've seen- I mean, they could, they're, they're the League Cup semi-final now. So like often 
you know, uh, an FA Cup or a League Cup is like the jump-off point for like a team. You know, it was for Man City, um, going on like a real sort of trophy-winning um, period, and that that's what could be happening in Newcastle. Because this is this is one of those things that, and I've I've sort of I've I've said this before, like, yeah, right. You've spent money, and I think all all money in football. All, no, there's no clean billionaires. We all know this. Like the whole sport is rancid now, but there are levels to it, right? And we talk about all the off-pitch stuff with Newcastle City, sports washing, and all that sort of thing. And people will sort of say to me, like neutrals will be like, "Yeah, but there's got to at least be that little bit of you that thinks, like, you know, if Arsenal do do it." Like, kind of fair enough, they're sticking two things up. I'm like, no, <laughs> the fucking isn't. And I, and I get it. I know it's such a conflicting feeling. Like, there's that bit of me that's like, yeah, I, I suppose in a way, I've seen even Spurs fans try to twist it to be like, well, it should give you hope that it's possible. You know, that if you just, you get the right manager and you back him. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I don't want to have hope from Arsenal winning the fucking league. I've seen that enough times in my life. And I've, I've suffered through secondary school. Being a fucking Spurs fan when Arsenal were winning the double, winning the fucking league at White Hart Lane, as if, as if you're gonna get shit, get shit to the point where you're shitter than Tottenham, <laughs> and then come back and win the league again before we even do it. It's just, it just, it just goes. I, I, if you said to me, Spurs can win the league and like break the monopoly and give us all hope, or, or. Man City, Newcastle, the nation's fucking states, they win the Premier League for the rest of the fucking existence. I'm like, I'll, fu- I'll fucking bank. I'm taking side it. I, I'm sign me up. I don't give a shit. I do not want Spurs to ever win anything. So, you, you'll be sat there in your living room with the problematic tea <laughs> towel on your head, won't you? Like those Newcastle fans. I'll be. I'm fucking. I'll. I'll literally immigrate. To, I'll be all over it. I'll be getting the the Newcastle Saudi kit. I. I would. There is nothing worse than Tottenham fans celebrating. I there was a there was we, we barely get to do it. Like, come no, on. but even if you celebrate a goal, I, even if even if the camera pans to Spurs fans celebrating, I don't know any of those people in the crowd, but I instantly hate them. Like some of those people might be nice fitting at the TV. <laughs> but I'm like, I bet I look at them and I'm like, I bet he's a prick. I'm, I bet it's not. I'd meet him in the street. I'm sure he's a nice fella, but I just. Watching them celebrate, knowing how much they hate Arsenal as well. It's watching the opposition fans celebrate a goal in an North London derby is, it is torture. I do like it how every now and again, it's obviously when I've been on one on Twitter saying stuff about Arsenal. Every now and again, just getting that WhatsApp from you, being like, if I if I didn't know you, honestly, I would hate you so, so much. And I do know you, and I hate you a bit, like. Uh, when I see Arsenal fans responding, I'm like, do not give it to him. Why are you responding? You fucking idiot. This is what he wants. I know he's a prick. I feel the same, but just don't respond. It's like you might as well do it. It's just like unbelievable baiting and they always buy it. And I am biting at home, but I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not replying to that tweet. Like, I, I, I love it. Like, in a way, I love it. That it's, it's, like, it's like that risk-reward thing, right? It's like that's how... The North London Derby's got is it is it's so awful when you lose, but because we're so close and closely matched, it's so sweet when you win, and that just about makes it worth it for those times that you do win. Um, but it is absolutely brutal when you lose, and when you lose a game that really matters. Well, I mean, this is this is the thing. Like at the moment. We're staring, there's that like dilemma at Spurs. We're staring down the barrel now of losing to you at White Hart Lane and getting six points off of City as we always do, somehow. I don't know how we're like the one team that manages to always turn over City. We can't fucking beat West Brom. Like, do you know what I mean? We always fucking lose to them when we need to beat them. But for some reason, we can beat Manchester City. Okay, and- I've got, 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 got a question for you. I've got a question for you. <clears throat> You can. Harry Kane leaves Spurs on a free and signs for Arsenal. But, but, Arsenal do not win the Premier League like next season. So, like, when, when's, when's Kane's contract run out? He's, he's got a year and a half left, 18 months. Okay. Harry Kane signs for Arsenal on a free, but Arsenal finish 
outside the European places, have like a disaster of season and Spurs win the league. But we do have Kane. Would you take it? So did after that point, after next year, so basically you're saying this summer, Harry Kane goes to Arsenal, but yeah. we win the league next year. Yes. But then after that point, you can still you, win it? Yeah, anything can happen after that. But you do win the Premier League and we have a disaster a season. What is, what is this hellish scenario you've created? <laughs> like, this is like, this is like me saying, would you take Arsenal Football Club folding, but... And, no, but, and Kane, Kane, he, he also, he scores in the North London derby in, in, in that season, pulls up his t-shirt and says, once a red, always a red. <laughs> And there's a, fact, and there's a photo, us. and there's a photo of that, you know, in when yeah. he's the chubby kid with the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he does it in front of the Spurs fans. But, 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 Spurs win the league. Would you take it? I mean, this is just grotesque, isn't it? Like, um, oh. yeah, if Spurs win the league. I guess I'd have to, mate. Oh god! I guess I I'd have to to see Tottenham win the league. Yeah, when it's put to me like that, you know, it's he's gonna. I'm not, I'm, why am I giving? Why am I gracing this with with proper conversation? Like, I think. I, but the flip side is, would I take it? Would I take Spurs winning the league for Harry Kane to celebrate in front of the Spurs fans at White Lane? Once a gooner, always a gooner. Big two, big fat Harry Kane on his t-shirt. The little. <laughs> And then after that, we could win it. Do you know what? I think I, I, I'm, I, I'd be tempted to take it because I think that after that, we're going to absolutely run riot with Kane up front. Just that one season of hell for a complete dominance. Right. I've, I've got one for you then. I've got one for you because yeah. I, I put this to Spurs fans the other way. Here we go. Would you rather, right, <laughs> also win the Premier League this year, but yeah. then, what, a week and a half, two weeks later... Tottenham win the Champions League so Arsenal win the Premier League but this season Arsenal win the Premier League but Tottenham win the Champions League or Arsenal finish fourth and Tottenham finish fifth and oh, no, and don't win anything and there's but there's no rules after that right no rules after no, this just season just this season yeah. oh my god oh uh... See the thing is, oh yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. Right, and which one? The fourth? Uh, uh, no, 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 I'd to Arsenal. I'd Arsenal to Arsenal win the Premier League because the reason I take it is I don't can. I'm more. I'm more want Arsenal. Oh, that's fuck it. Do you know what? I don't know. It's like I'm. It's a question of do do I want Arsenal to do well more than I want Spurs to foul? And I think yes. So. Yeah, I want, I'm more concerned of Arsenal doing well and not... Even when it's next year, you come into the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, as it's now known, and hearing Champions of Europe, you'll never sing that, ringing around smug... You know those smug Tottenham fans that you talk about seeing on the telly? All these big red faces just singing, Yeah, yeah, yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah! And you sat there like, yeah, well, well, we won the league and I was just drowning it out. Oh, fuck, you know what? That is a tough... The bus, the bus coming down the Seven Sisters, down the Tottenham High oh. Road, Harry Kane and Hugo Lloris with old big ears on top of that. White confetti everywhere. Oh, that is bad. That is bad. Just think about it. Think the whole narrative is like, yeah, well done, Arsenal, you won the league. No one cares about that. Tottenham just won the Champions League, you know? Oh mate, because this is completely what I'm begging. I'm just begging that we can just do some sort of miracle in the Champions League this year. That's all. That's what I've thrown everything into this year, completely. Because obviously, me doing that is the, the important you know factor. It, it was the bus parade that might have might have that might be the tipping point for me. I could kind of handle the other stuff. It was it was the streets of North London lined with loads of scum. Fucking cheering old big ears and oh that's brutal. I I couldn't you know imagine the news that day. I just like I'm not I fuck that. I'd smash my telly up or something. I couldn't. Honestly, when we lost it to Liverpool, 
news, newspapers, all of it. I didn't look at any. I literally stopped myself looking at any. I could not see them lifting the trophy. I couldn't do it. I couldn't. Do, and I, obviously, I saw it just second hand when the Champions League all started up next year and the highlights begin. And you see fucking Henderson doing his like little joggy feet thing that he does. And I just yeah, yeah. wanted to smash my TV up. Do you know what I mean? But I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Top winning yeah. the Champions League. I'm going to take that, mate. Yeah, I'll, I don't know if I've changed my mind now. I'm going to have to go and contemplate that. But that's that is a big question. Let's uh, right, mate. We'll get we'll, we'll get to you now. I just want to talk about the game itself, right? The, the the actual the meat and bones of this horrible, stinking, putrid fixture that is on the horizon on uh, <laughs> on Sunday afternoon. Obviously, Gabriel Jesus is still out. Who's who's going to play? How do you expect you you're going to come at us, right? Surely, still. I I I hundred percent think that's what Arteta will do. I think that he will will play Tierney. In f- I I think he'll play Tierney instead of Zinchenko, even though I think he'll want to be on the front foot, and Zinchenko will the way he kind of um, tucks in into midfield and creates overloads there like. That is norm. I, I think I do think we want to dominate, but I still think Arteta be too worried about um, the, to, the the gaps that Zinchenko leaves in behind. So I think that Tierney would. I think he's going to pick Tierney. Um, I think obviously Enketia. This is I've been saying a week. Like I, I really think Enketia's done like the goals. Forget like Oxford and and whatever. The goals against Wilbur, uh, West Ham and Brighton. Like really important and really for his confidence. I think that physically and um, tactically and um, and his belief in himself has, has come on leaps and bounds. And I and I I do actually think he, although he's like more of a penalty box sort of finisher than Jesus, I do think that he is quite he's becoming more and more similar to him in terms of his pressing and stuff like that. So, but I think that this is the game where if Enkia does something like in this game. Then you kind of feel like, not that he's arrived, but more that he's established himself as a real kind of Premier League striker. Um, so, be interesting to see what he's able to produce in a game like that with pressure. I do think Arteta will want to get at Spurs. I think he'll want to he'll want to silence the crowd. He'll want to get on top and keep the crowd quiet because everyone knows that if it's rocking and a few shit decisions from our players who can't are letting the, the the emotion from the stands affect them. Um, <clears throat> he's not going to want that. He's, you don't want to give away any silly bookings in the first 20 minutes because then you're kind of walking a tightrope. So, yeah, I think we're going to go at Spurs. And I've literally talked to myself into believing that I think we're going to do quite well now. Whereas when I first started this call, I wasn't so sure. Interesting. Um I think it will be. I don't know. Fuck it. I want to hear what you say first. I can't. I'm. I'm. I'm unsure. Well, I just. I worry about our defence as ever. I worry about the kind of you playing around us, and we've just got to hope that the crowd plays its part in your players bottle it again because that's. It's got to be, I mean, you're, we won't be able to keep up with your football. The way you've been playing sort of lately um, was good. Newcastle, I think the, uh, Newcastle were very good against you the other night. And I think they showed that if you play at Arsenal a bit, you, they can be got at. But we ain't going to do that to you, you know? No, but I think what the Newcastle game was that... I think a, a great example of what I was sort of saying earlier, which was that you have to be perfect every game. And... In those first 15, 20 minutes, Arsenal got in good positions but did not make the right decision on the ball. And in the North London derby, you have to make the right decisions. You have to be perfect. You have to take your chance because you might not get another one at White Lane. Um, So I think Newcastle did do well, but I think Arsenal just didn't make the most of, of, of their pressure. And I think also nodding towards the... Sort of taking um, reference in, uh, sorry, reference in the Newcastle game is the referee will be absolutely huge on Sunday, because 
that Newcastle game was a mess because the referee made so many C bookings at the beginning of the, at the start of the game for both sides that like players it was just nonsense and then it, then he'd sort of set a precedent and he was booking players for challenges that did not warrant yellow cards and then couldn't book players after that because they would have been sent off so i think the referee plays a really really important part he's got a, a sort of not let the game get out of control but at the same time he's got to let it flow he can't be booking people too early for for you know stuff that doesn't warrant it because it's a north london derby there are going to be tackles flying and they're going to people are going to be sort of pushing him pushing the boundaries is is how the ref handles that i think you know the the one the, the still the big the big thing like you're talking about that being clinical being you know you're having to take your opportunities when they come the biggest one for me i, I just think still the biggest difference between the side is harry kane you know and i think we absolutely need to just like i think for as much smoke as I'm blowing up your asses at the moment, I think Saka's well on his way. I think Odegaard is a brilliant player. I still, I just, I don't quite think you have anybody quite on that level. And very few teams do, that's the thing. But I don't think you quite have anybody on that level as Harry Kane. And he, we've seen him make the difference so many times in these sort of games. So if we can get the ball to him, we can get him proper service, then that'll be great. But I mean, the big thing is, the big thing that you may not know is that We've got both Kulusevski and Bentancur both injured. I mean, Richarlison's fucked seemingly. So Kulusevski and Bentancur, who have still seemingly been 50-50 all this week, haven't actually trained yet, people seem to be saying. So being involved in the first team training. So whether or not they play is a huge part in whether or not we'll be at all successful. But um, yeah, cheers for coming on, Ben. And I won't be speaking to you probably for a couple of weeks now after this point. Um, I, I basically, just so you know, do not fucking message me if you win. Don't message me. I, oh, I don't do, do not... that anyway. <laughs> I don't do any of that. None of that. Uh, our, our friend, our friend Tom Kingham, if he's listening, he 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 definitely will message me. Um, I, yeah, let's let's just give each other space, depending on the result after this game. Um. But and I appreciate appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on, um, and I'm sure there's loads of Spurs fans out there saying, "What's this? What's this prick talking about?" Um, well, I'm at Ben Welch eighty two. Come and find me. <laughs> come and give it to me on there. I won't reply because I, I I always uh, take too long to curate my uh, tweets. Um, You're bigger than all that, aren't you? No, I wanted I, I I want a tweet, but then I spend so long thinking about it that the moment's gone, and then I was, and then when I do tweet, and I'm, I'm really proud of it, it's like talking to an empty room, and no one engages with <laughs> it. So, hey guys, we've landed on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Ben. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.